The peace of our Lord be with you. I don't know about you, but it seems to me as though it's only been a couple of days since Jesus was a baby, no bigger than Krishan Shields, and now he's already old enough to wander away from his parents in a crowd. Nursery one day, youth house the next. Every three years, on the first Sunday of Christmas tide, also known throughout the world as the Feast of the Holy Family. The lectionary places in the path of the church that moment from this morning's gospel lesson, when Jesus and his parents were separated from one another. A moment of uncertainty and fear, which you can hear in Mary's voice along with a little irritation when she finally finds Jesus and says to him, Child, why have you treated us this way? Your father and I have been searching for you with great anxiety. One imagines that that was not the first moment of worry for Mary about Jesus, and it certainly was not the last. The fear Mary felt for Jesus in that moment was a sign of things to come. Mary's son was different. Different in wonderful and amazing ways, but also in ways which cast many shadows across his life and hers. As William Sloan Coffin once said, Jesus was a person of such integrity, authenticity, and courage that he would rather be hated for who he was than loved for who he wasn't. As a result, he was almost always in trouble with someone about something. So much so that eventually it got him crucified. Jesus sat down with and stood up for the wrong people often enough that he made the right people nervous enough that in an effort to silence him, they killed him. A life of conflict, controversy, and pain from which Mary, Jesus' mother, was helpless to protect him. Jesus had to be exactly who he was, which left his mother Mary to live a life of helpless love, helpless to manage or control Jesus' life, and helpless also to distance herself from the pain 
of Jesus' life, which actually makes the Holy Family a lot like all of our ordinary families. The Holy Family had to embrace the fact that they were helpless. Helpless to manage or control Jesus' life and helpless to distance themselves from the pain of Jesus' life, which is as it must be and should be, not only for Jesus' family, but for every family. A couple of years ago, I heard on national public radio a segment in the series StoryCorps in which a man told about growing up on a large dairy farm in the Midwest. This farm had been in his family for several generations. And as the next in line, he was the universally assumed successor to the land and the farm. But he had been born with a different kind of spirit. He had this innate, undeniable passion to be a writer, a novelist, a poet. At last, as a young adult, he found the courage to go and sit down with his dad one day and say, Dad, I don't want to be a farmer. I want to get a Master of Fine Arts degree in creative writing and go out there and see if I can make it as a writer. To which his father replied, You cannot think those thoughts in this house. His dad, as scared as Mary and Joseph, the day they couldn't find Jesus, no doubt with the best of intentions and the most legitimate of concerns for his son's future, could not, at least in that moment, embrace the helplessness of family love. As I have mentioned before from this pulpit, I had a different experience in my young adulthood. When Marcia and I were off at seminary, we returned home to Georgia one Thanksgiving, and while Marcia and our one-year-old son Joshua stayed in Augusta with her parents, I met my dad in Wrightsville, Georgia, to go hunting for the day. That evening, as we sat on the front seat of my dad's rusted-out old 1963 Ford Comet in 1981, <laughs> preparing to say a loving goodbye and go our separate ways, my dad reached over and grasped my knee in his hand like this. 
looked into the eyes of his young seminarian son and said, Son, your mama and me and the folks back home taught you everything we knew about God and the Bible and such. But there's a lot we don't know. Now, I don't even know what it is that we don't know. But whatever it is, you go learn it. Which was my father's way of turning me loose and letting me go. My father's way of saying, you don't have to think the way I think, worship the way I worship, or believe the way I believe. What you have to do is go be exactly who you are. Intentional, helpless love. No guilt, no leverage, no control, no strings attached, just unconditional love, turning loose and letting go with no way to know or need to manage where it might lead. What courage he had. What grace. What a gift. When he died ten years later, we did not inherit a penny. There wasn't one, but he had already given me the greatest gift that any parent can ever give a child. I was thinking about all that this week, thinking about my dad's hand on my knee as he said those words to me that day, when it occurred to me that it was with that same hand that 10 years earlier, my dad had hit me with his fist. I was 16 years old, and I was determined to let my hair grow long. What? We had a big, loud argument about it. And then my dad hit me with his fist so hard that I landed on my back in the bottom of my parents' closet. Ten years later, my dad's closed fist of control had become my father's open hand of blessing. The hand once closed for holding on, open wide for letting go. To speak of all that all these years later makes it all sound so simple. 
But needless to say, when it comes to families, nothing is ever remotely that simple. The truth is, we're all just stumbling forward, doing our best. And it will probably always be the case that the family which loves us most dearly will be the same family which wounds us most deeply because no one outside our family has as much access to the most hidden and vulnerable corners of our soul as do those inside our family. All of which means that we will never outgrow the need to practice helpless love and to call it out loud exactly what it is, to call it by that name, helpless love. One way to get there is to practice the skills that are lined out for us in this morning's epistle lesson from Colossians chapter 3. Compassion, kindness, patience, and forgiveness. Compassion, kindness, patience, and forgiveness. Skills to practice in family. Because we get better at those skills the same way we get better at other skills. By practicing compassion, kindness, patience, forgiveness, charity, grace. And helpless love, complicated and necessary gifts for Jesus and his family and also for us and ours. Amen.